Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Because, see, He knows you, and it's our great delight, our great privilege as we, every day that we wake up and every week that we go on, every month, every year, it's just drawing us deeper and closer, and this relationship that we have with Him is deepening moment by moment through the trials, through the the great heights of, of Christian life and the great depths of Christian life, too. We're growing. And we're getting to know him, and we're growing in grace. And, and all of a sudden, do you realize the, the, the peace that a Christian has who has had time in with the Lord for 20, 30 years is the type of peace that people in the world want, and they're trying to get it. And, and, and they try to get it through artificial means, through pills, through drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be, whatever vice there is. God's Word directs us to live righteously. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins our study in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 24, which is a continuation of God's laws given to the nation of Israel. As we learn about these laws, we see that it's important to our God that we learn His will and His righteous character within these laws and rules. That's why it's important for us to know His Word, which allows us to know Him better. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. Deuteronomy chapter 24. We are coming close to finishing the second address by Moses. In the book of Deuteronomy, there's really four addresses that are given at at different times where Moses would address the congregation. And we're still, we're coming close to the end of that second address that he had given, and it's going to end at the very end of uh, chapter 26, so we're coming upon it pretty quickly. And, and so, uh, again, you know, Moses just desiring, you know, by God, you know, just to encourage the people that as they come into the land, there's certain things they need to be aware of. There's certain things that they need to consider because they're going to be dispossessing a people, remember, that have embraced pagan uh, idolatry, and they had done it for hundreds of years, hundreds of years. And you remember that God had given them a great deal of time to turn from their sin. And isn't it true that God, he gives, and it's a mystery to me, how God can give a, a group of people a, a certain time frame. And it's not like cookie-cutter timing. It's not like he makes, you know, when you, when you come to Christ, you've got this, you know, three years to clean up your act before he starts dropping the hammer. It's not like that. It's, it's different for people. And, and certainly for nations, he gives plenty of time, space to repent, and that's just how good God is. Aren't you glad he's that way? Because there are other, the, the false gods aren't like that at all. They demand strict obedience, or there's strict uh, and, 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 and very tough, thank you, yes, consequences. Yeah, so 
But God is not like that. He's a loving God. He's unlike any other God because he's the one true God. Everyone else is false. Let God be true and every man a liar because he is the only true God. And, you know, and it doesn't matter what, who, what, what anybody else serves, what other God they may serve. They may, may even serve a different flavor of Jesus. Do you realize that? In Christendom, there are different flavors of Jesus. And let me tell you that each one of those flavors of Jesus is a false God. Because the only one that we see is his, he's revealed himself to us, not only personally in our hearts, but he's revealed himself, his character in the word of God. And so when you see a different Jesus being portrayed, like you see in, in, um, in the Jehovah's Witness, for instance, they claim to be Christians, but they're not Christians. And the Mormons, they claim to be Christians, but they're not Christians. And there are other denominations who have very strange ideas of who Jesus is. But if it's not the Jesus of the Bible, it's a different Jesus altogether. And therefore, a different God that they serve. And so it's important to read the Word of God, to know who Jesus is. And especially in a day like today, we need to know who he is. Because, see, he knows you. And it's our great delight, our great privilege as we... Every day that we wake up and every week that we go on, every month, every year, it's just drawing us deeper and closer. And this relationship that we have with him is deepening moment by moment through the trials, through the, the great heights of, of Christian life and the great depths of Christian life, too. We're growing and we're getting to know him and we're growing in grace. And, and all of a sudden, do you realize the, the, the peace that a Christian has who has had time in with the Lord for 20, 30 years is a type of peace that people in the world want, and they're trying to get it. And, and, and they try to get it through artificial means, through pills, through drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be, whatever vice there is. But the child of God has a true peace because we have a peace with God, because we have peace with God, because the peace, we are no longer at enmity with him because we have put our faith in the one who has been judged on the cross, and now we have been given this robe of righteousness. The righteousness that we could not have earned, and now it is on us because of Jesus Christ. So as we look at chapter 24, last week we looked at um, chapter 23, and uh, it spoke about those who were excluded from the congregation. It talked about the cleanliness of the campsite when they would go, be going out into battle, and it also spoke of... Uh, the master-slave relationship and the whole idea of uh, uh, harlotry and uh, perverted uh, men, uh, how God for, forbid that, and uh, charging interest for uh, a brother or sister uh, in, in, the, in the Jewish um, uh, family, and certainly to us we can consider that as too. And it also spoke about vows and, and, and also gleanings that we would... Um, take for, for fields and crops and things of that nature. And as we get into chapter 24, we're going to see some other miscellaneous laws, because that's what we're looking at right now. There, there's a handful that are a little more in-depth, but they're basically miscellaneous laws and things to consider. And again, God is faithful because he knows what's coming. That's why he's a good shepherd. And so when we look at verses 1 through 4, we're going to uh, read it in just a moment. It's laws concerning divorce and remarrying. We're also going to see in this chapter uh, what happens that first year that you're married. And we're going to see uh, 
laws concerning giving one's way of living in a pledge. We're going to see laws concerning kidnapping, the outbreak of leprosy, the lending and collateral, hired servants and wages, sin and capital punishment. We're going to see perverting of justice and, and, and laws uh, concerning the, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and certainly laws, again, concerning gleanings for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And did you ever notice that God has a real thing in his heart for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. They, these are people who have no homes. They have no covering. You know, uh, a widow no longer has a, a covering. She no longer has a husband in her home. And, and, a, and an orphan or someone who is fatherless is, doesn't have a father. And, you know, God looks at these types of people with great compassion. And he does that because he knows how important it is to have a father figure and I'm so glad that even though my father passed away when I was real young, that I know that he was looking out for me the whole time. You know, and he gave my mom the grace to raise me, and, you know, and, and he was looking out for me. And um, even during a time in my life where I didn't know him, I didn't care to know him, uh, he was always looking out. And, and that's just, again, how good he is. <laughs> I'm still amazed how good he is. And, you know, aren't you glad that you're going to spend an eternity in awe of him. We're not going to get to the place where we figured him out. You're always going to be walking around with our jaw open. I hope there's no flies in heaven, or I hope there's no flies in the, in the millennial reign because we're going to be walking around with our mouth open, either praising him or just like, I can't, I, oh, I. <laughs> we're going to be totally amazed at his, his amazing design, his amazing omniscience, it's just going to unravel, unravel, and we're never going to, it's always going to be before us, and we're never going to figure him out completely. I'm just, that is a God we can worship. Everything else on this earth, think of it, is pale. It's so pale in comparison. Every good thing, the best that the world has to offer is nothing compared to Jesus Christ and who he is and what he is going to do, And, and just the glory of his majesty is just so overwhelming. You know, and I pray that each one of us gets a hold of that, that somehow as we read the word, that it just it fills our life, it fills our hearts, our minds. It just, it just makes us want to pop. You, know, you just get so filled, and you're just like, God, could you, be, could you really be that good? And the answer is yes, and so much more, much more than we can ever imagine. So in this chapter, God cares. He cares about marriage. Let's read the whole thing, and we're going to look at miscellaneous things, but we're first going to look at divorce. He spends a little bit of time on that, so let's just read it. It says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house. When she has departed from his house, and she... um, and goes and becomes another man's wife, if the latter husband detests her and writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, or if the latter husband dies who took her as his wife, then her former husband who divorced her must not take her back to be his wife after she has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance." And he goes on and he says, When a man, verse 5, takes, has taken a new wife, and he, is, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any business. 
He shall be free at home for one year playing video games. Oh, wait, that's not in that version. Um, he shall be <laughs> free at home one year and bring happiness to his wife, whom he has taken. And no man shall take the lower or the upper millstone in pledge, for he takes one's living in pledge. And if a man is found kidnapping any of his brethren of the children of Israel and mistreats him or sells him, then that kidnapper shall die, and you shall put away the evil from among you. Take heed in an outbreak of leprosy that you carefully observe and do according to all that the priests, the Levites, shall teach you, just as I commanded them. So you shall be careful to do. Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the way when you came out of Egypt. When you lend your brother anything, you shall not go into his house or get his, uh, to get his pledge. You shall stand outside, and the man to whom you lend shall bring the pledge out to you. And if the man is poor, you shall not keep his pledge overnight. You shall in any case return the pledge to him again when the sun goes down, that he may sleep in his own garment and bless you. And it shall be righteousness to you before the Lord your God. You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether one of your brethren or one of the aliens who is in your land within your gates. Each day you shall give him his wages and not let the sun go down on it, for he is poor and has set his heart on it lest he cry out against you to the Lord, and it be sin to you. Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. And you shall not pervert justice due the stranger or the fatherless, nor take a widow's garment as a pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore I command you to do this thing. And when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And when you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over the bows again. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And when you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. Again, isn't it uh, amazing? These various laws. Let's go back to uh, verse 1 again. These first four verses really speak of what happens when a person divorces. And in fact, these first four verses, if you recall, are the, the foundation of one of the complaints that the Pharisees had with Jesus in the New Testament, and, and this is where it's mentioned, right here. It starts right here. It's the first time we, uh, it's mentioned that of, uh, of this idea of, of a bill of divorcement being given. And so let's read it. it says, so when a man takes a wife and he marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her. Take note of that phrase, uncleanness in her. And he writes her a certificate of divorce. You can underline that as well. And he puts it in her hand and he sends her out of his house. You know, the exact meaning of this idea of uncleanness in her is, is unknown, to be honest with you. Because we know that there are certain things that if a woman or a man were caught in adultery, which is certainly an uncleanness, there were certain things prescribed for those things, and it was the death penalty. Um, in fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 20, it says, But if the thing is true, we just read this a few weeks ago, uh, and, and evidences of virginity are not found for a young woman, 
after she has had uh, a relationship, a physical one with someone, then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones, because she has done a disgraceful thing in Israel to play the harlot in her father's house. He says, so you shall put away the evil from among you. And also, if a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband, then both of them shall die. So we know that this uncleanness in her, this phrase in verse 1, is not one of those things, because the law is very clear about those things. So what does it really mean? I have no idea. But I, I think it, it, it's, it's um, you know, Moses writes this, and he allows this, uh, God allows this, to because of the hardness of, of, of people's hearts, and there's nothing worse. And again, not to condone any of this action, but when you see two people together that have married and, and for some reason things just go south and, and they're just hating each other and, and their, their marriage is just a battleground and the whole household is a battleground and all there is is abusive attacks and sometimes even physical ones. You know, uh, sometimes God, uh, you know, um, he certainly doesn't want to say it's okay. But, you know... God is a God of mercy, and I think that um, there are times when it, it's, it's probably right to separate, at the very least separate, you know, and get out of an abusive situation, because I don't think God would have any of his ladies be a punching bag or to be, a, uh, to be uh, verbally abused and, and completely put down to where her life is completely um, a living hell. I don't think God is, is like that, and I think that's why this is in here. Um, for those kinds of cases, and they're not very, um, they don't happen very often. But again, we can never use something like this as a means to say that it's okay to do it for any reason, because it's really not. It's really not for any reason. We're going to see that in a little bit. So it says, when she has departed from his house, and she goes and becomes another man's wife, verse 3, and if the latter husband detests her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand, sends her out of his house, or if the latter husband dies who took her as his wife, and then her former husband, who divorced her, he must not take her back to be his wife after she has been defiled, for that is, notice, it's an abomination to the Lord, and you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. And, and, and I see in this just God's, uh, he takes the physical intimacy between a husband and a wife. It, it's a very sacred thing. And it's something that God puts a great deal of importance on. And it's an unfortunate thing, but in our culture and in our world, uh, it, it doesn't acknowledge this idea of the sanctity of marriage. In fact, the marriage right now is being redefined before our eyes. And now it doesn't have to be between a man and a woman. Now it can be between two men, between two women. Um, and in some states, you can have more than one wife. If you live in Salt Lake City, Utah, you can have many wives. And so... You know, these things are, uh, God takes them very seriously. And from the very beginning, from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2, God made it very clear that it was to be between a man and a woman. A man and a woman, that's what marriage is, is between a man and a woman. He doesn't acknowledge any other form of marriage. And he, he doesn't make any apologies to it, and neither should we. You know, and our culture hates that. It's, it's, it's the idol of our culture right now, this whole idea of homosexuality and being able to have the freedom, and, and they're forcing our, their legislators and they're lobbying these people and giving them great sums of money to pass laws in Washington to force them to acknowledge this sin because that's what it is. It's not an alternate lifestyle. It's not an orientation. It is sin. That's exactly what it is.
But you know what? You know, they, 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 our culture now, it just sees this intimacy between a husband and a wife. You know, it sees it as just something as a means to an end. It's become something totally selfish and self-focused. And honestly, I think our culture thinks way too much about sex, to be honest with you. I think we're so inundated by it in every form, in, in music, in movies, in media, in, in magazines. Uh, we're just so inundated with it. And just a little fuel is all it takes to incite that lust in every, every one of us. We're human beings, and we, we're not per, you know, impervious to these kinds of things that we see. And it's a pressure. It's a pressure on women. It's a pressure on men. And I wish it weren't there, but we think way too much about it because, again, we are surrounded by it. And why should it consume so much of your mind? Have you ever thought about that? Why should it consume more time in our brains and in our hearts than it does? Within the bonds of marriage, it's a beautiful thing, and it was designed by God to be a beautiful thing. And it's just a part of life, right? I mean, really, it's what it is. It's a part of life. And yet our culture has made it everything. It's, it, it encompasses everything. You can't even buy a car without seeing, you know, uh, I won't even have to go on any further. Why is this? We know it's because we have become perverse and not you so much, I'm not even going to say us as a, as a church, but maybe not us so much, but just the world itself. We're being cleansed, and we're being washed, and we've been forgiven. But it is something that we have to think about. Why do I think so much about this? I shouldn't be thinking so much about sex. Why is it taking so much of my pie chart of my brain? <laughs> you know, there's this much, you know, everything else, and everything over here is sex. You know, and some people, honestly, that's the case. Everything is it's just consumed them, and it's an unfortunate thing. And what about our kids, you know? I, I mean, again, the movies, the magazines. Folks, we need to teach our kids, our grandkids, teach them about these things. Teach them the things to stay away from. Teach them what the Bible has to say. Because they're going to learn this stuff from somewhere. They're going to learn it on Facebook. They're going to learn it on Instagram. They're going to learn it from other friends. And it's time that we made sure we teach our kids. And for those of you who have grandkids, be diligent, be strong, be purposeful, be bold, and never, ever give up. Never give up. Be serious about it. And stop trying to be a friend of your child or your grandchild and be their parent, be their grandchild. Stop being a friend and be their mentor, their governor. They need that. In this verse, we see this certificate of divorce, and it occurs a total of six times in the entire Bible, three times in the, New, in the Old Testament and three times in the New. And we're going to look at five of the six of those because it's such an important thing, especially as we consider what Moses is sharing here. You know, the, the first two we're, we, we, we're going to be reading, uh, we've already read them in verses 1 and verse 3 of this chapter. We're going to see also in Jeremiah and Matthew, we're going to see the others as well momentarily. But if we look in Malachi, you know, what does God say about divorce? You know, this idea of a bill of divorcement. Well, it says in Malachi, for the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. That's what it says. 
For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. So we have to deal with ourselves. We have to examine ourselves because within ourselves comes every impure, nasty thing. And within us is the ability to be discontent with everything. No matter what we get, we want more. The flesh is never satisfied. It always wants more. You know, God could give you everything that you wanted, but give it some time and you're going to want the next. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.